0: Fade away with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes sir! it! Gets Minnesota! The win at Ferguson. Towns rebound, buts it fly! And Carl Anthony Towns drills it! That's the buzzer! A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies! Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. You're home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep 3 three! He's got it! He scores! My name is Gabe Anderson, the host of the show. It's been uh, probably since the draft lottery, or maybe we did one after that, but it's been about three weeks since we have convened here, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Emerson. Chris, how we doing?
1: Doing well. Doing well. I'm excited to uh, see what this offseason has for us.
0: Yeah, it should be an exciting one, and of course, we got Jared Good. Jared, how we
2: doing? Uh, doing absolutely wonderful. It's always good to be back with you guys. You know it. We have a little bit of a break uh, from our last talk and uh, it's kind of nice to like get the gang all back together again, even if it's for some off season stuff. But one thing that's great about off season stuff is this is Chris's MO right here. So, so we,
1: we got got a
0: guy who knows a lot about the off season.
1: Or at least is excited about it and thinks he (laughs) knows a lot.
0: Oh, I uh, believe me. I I think all of us are excited about the off season and, yeah, I mean the the sky's the limit for this team, I, I think in the offseason. Well, maybe not the sky's the limit because we do have some restrictions. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I just I, I'm super excited. So let's let's start let let's start with it. Timberwolves in the offseason right now. Um, obviously. Uh what 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 are what what are you looking for them to do? Uh we'll start with you, Chris. What what, what are some moves you want them to make this off season?
1: Um, I mean the two big names, um, Miles Turner, Ben Simmons. I mean I think that's those are like the two big prizes. You know that's the two big things that are prizes for almost anybody in the trade market, and um, and they're fit they're perfect fits for us. Um, it just comes down to compensation and salary. Like more than even compensation for me is salary. Um, so I mean, it, for me, this is what's what's going to be interesting. Is I know we're going for you know we're going for one or the other, if not both. Um, you know, we're not going to get you know the plan isn't both, right. but we're going to you know have offers in. So I think Ben Simmons is going to be gone in the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be interesting to see what he goes for. I think I would be happy at max giving a package of, you know, it's going to have to be a three team deal and go Rubio, um, Beasley. Um, handful of first, if they, you know, however that works out. Protected or unprotected, really, I could go unprotected. Um, and either Nas or um, McDaniels, I mean, I would hate to lose either one of those, but, I mean, the asking price is going to be high. I mean, this guy's a, a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that would be my top. And Miles Turner, my top would be, you know, Beasley, and Culver maybe, or Rubio and a pick kind of thing, um, you know, To you know, which, you know, we've talked about it before. Rubio and a pick would be great for them because it frees up tons of cap space um, in the year after this coming one, which they could chase a Max guy. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun, and I'm just excited to see what these guys go for and if we're willing to, you know, what we're willing to push into the table you know cuz we do have a solid young team we can just build on that like that's not a it wouldn't be horrible but i don't think that's the plan
0: right for sure and uh jared what what moves do you uh, see the wolves making this off season or basically lay out what, what the, the plan in your uh, in your estimation
2: so you guys and, and many people that have watched our podcast know that I've been Mr. Ben Simmons since the beginning of whether or not it was a thought or not, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I have been kind of the Ben Simmons guy for a long time. And, and I kind of said, basically, I thought we needed to land the pick to make it happen. I don't think it's completely out of the realm now. Um, But, like, when I look back at it, I think, okay, so the Pacers have already been offered – or, sorry, the Sixers have already been offered Malcolm Brogdon and a first-round pick. And, Mm -hmm. like, on the surface, it's like, oh, that's kind of a good deal. But, like, that Pacers pick is going to be 26 – or around 26 in the next year draft. So, I mean, maybe that's just – Yeah, you know, it's going to be real late. And uh, so, like, when I kind of look at that, I'm thinking – like who would be more beneficial to the Sixers? Rubio, Beasley, and maybe, you know, a future pick if we can offer it. Um, I'm not sure. I think we can now offer a future first. And, and to me, like if you have Rubio, who's a – I mean, he's older, but he's a pretty solid point guard. You have uh, Maxi. Um, you have Beasley, who's a bona fide flamethrower basically. Um, that kind of fills a little bit of the see you gotta think about the 76ers, is they're not going to just make a trade and rebuild. Like they have a pretty solid core. They still have Tobias Harris, they still have Embiid, and you know, like they're win now. Yeah, I mean they really are. I think they're still a little bit far out, even with the trade. Um, but like I think what they really want to do, which kind of surprises me, but Deep down, I think what they really want to do is they want to land Kyle Lowry in a three-team trade. And, yep. and that's absolutely something that we could fit the mold for. But, like, if you were a guy to tell me that, excuse me, um, that, that Kyle Lowry was that much better than Malcolm Brogdon, me as a basketball fan, I would say you're a little bit crazy, um, but that's just my personal opinion. Everyone's entitled to their own. But, yeah, the the Sixers, um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they already have offers on the table, and we'll see if the Timberwolves can get in and
1: and match some of this with another team possibly.
0: Mm -hmm. Chris, go ahead. You had something?
1: So I think that's the way. I mean, I think it's Toronto, and I think that's the way we get the deal done if we get the deal done. And I think it's – so at the trade deadline last year, um, Toronto wanted Rubio. Um, It was national news. It was talked about. It wasn't. I mean, who knows how truthful those things are? But it was said that they wanted Rubio, um, so they still want. Rubio. I mean, there'd be no reason. It's not like they were making a big playoff run, really. So it's not like Rubio was going to be the spark to push him to a playoff run. They're comfortable with his salary at the trade deadline, so that means they're still comfortable with it now. Um, them having a high pick, which could be Suggs, it would make sense to bring in Rubio since Kyle Lowry is leaving, and he's a restri- he's going to be a restricted free agent. But they're not—they're not signing him. That I mean, almost for his own good to let him move on. Um, so it makes perfect sense for us to send them Rubio, who they wanted. Um, Lowry will probably get about that kind of contract, about a seventeen million dollar a year contract going forward. He's not young, um, so if he gets like four years at seventeen a year, that salaries match up perfect. We toss in a future first protected or not. Um just to broker the deal with them. So now it's not that um Philly's getting Rubio, Beasley, and a first or two. It's that um they're getting Kyle Lowry, Beasley, and a first or two. Now that trade makes sense. Lowry's from Philly, like he's a hard-nosed defensive player, knows how to get buckets, um, can shoot. And you add a flamethrower like Beasley, um, who Doc Rivers has always had, like three point shooting specialists. It's something that he desired. It's why he went and got Steph Curry or Seth Curry. So that's the deal that makes sense to me. Um, but who knows? Somebody else might have a better package. Maybe they don't love Beasley. Maybe, you know, like you have to know how much these guys like each other. But on that Toronto deal, I mean, we just, relationships are huge in the NBA with GMs and we just negotiated with Toronto to get Chris Finch here. So we have a good vibe with them. I would assume. Um, Rosas and Maury, good buddies, you know, so we've got a vibe with them in the 76ers. Like it, it's not crazy to think that these three teams could work together on something, Um, especially because it seems perfect. Like they were interested in Rubio. Kyle Lowry would want to go home. He's still got some game left. Um, they're in win now. They get. I mean, the trade makes sense. Um, if it happens, it happens. But that's what I think it'll be if it's anything. I'd be surprised if it's not involved with Toronto. Mm-hmm.
2: Jared, go ahead. Yeah, so my next question is going to be for both of you because I want your thoughts on this. Um, if you're Toronto right now, so you just lost Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, what, two years ago, I believe it was, you're on the verge of selling Pascal Siakam to a, to whoever wants to buy, basically. And yep. and so, you, like, if you're Toronto, are you not – like, you're on the fence. Like, you're either going to make a move or you're going to embrace the full rebuild. So, if you're Toronto, what would you do? Because I think if I was Toronto, and I am – I am one of the most, like, homer-win-now guys. But, like, if I'm Toronto right now, I kind of try and get as many assets as possible and just start over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's where Toronto is at. The hard thing is I think you like what you have with some of the uh, younger guys like um, Fred Van Fleet. I mean, he's not necessarily young, but still, I mean, he, who, who saw – who saw coming what, what Fred Van Fleet turned into? So And then you also have – what do they have? Precious Achua, right? They have
1: – No, they've got Boucher, Chris Boucher, oh, but, but he's not yeah. that young either.
0: Oh, okay. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you sell Aaron Baines. Maybe you sell um, Fred Van Fleet and just move on, which is tough. I mean, it's tough two years after – the, the whole thing comes to fruition to see um, the, the whole thing come down. But, yeah, I, I think you, you rebuild. What do you think, Chris? See,
1: you can go, Jared.
2: Yeah, so I was just going to say, like, see, to me, there's a lot of people that are really high on Siakam, and I'm not one of them. But there's a lot of people that really like his game. And I feel like they just have a bunch of guys that aren't quite stars, but they're above average. So, like, they're, they're in kind of a fine line because – if you want to, like, be real to the guys on your team, you're going to pay them more than you probably should. And that's kind of how I look at Toronto. Like, when you look at Siakam, I think he's overpaid or going to get overpaid. I don't know what kind of deal he got recently. And then you got Lowry, who got way max. overpaid.
1: You got a max. Yeah,
2: so you got so Siakam,
1: got a, got a max.
2: You got Lowry, who's way overpaid. And then you have Fred Van Vliet, who needs to probably be paid. I don't know if he has been yet, but, like, None of those guys, to me in the league, I look at are as, as stars. You know, like we're in a three three star league, and if you look at the Timberwolves, we we might be, be contending to have a fourth star if everything works out. So, like, it's a different league, and the GM's really important in the NBA right now.
0: Yeah, and on top of that, I I don't think that a Particularly, if you're going to get rid of Siakam, a one two punch of Fred Van Fleet and OG Ananobi is going to be able to get it done or or do anything. You might be able to compete for the ace ace seed in the east, but I mean, where where does that get you? That gets you like a number 16 pick, and you got to get lucky on those. But, Chris, go ahead. What do you think about with the Raptors? Well,
1: I'm glad you mentioned GM because that's another question is their GM uh, Musai. I'm not, I can't say his name. Sure. Um, <laughs> supposedly, supposedly he might be leaving too. Like he, I, I, think his contract's up or something. Like it's possible that he's going to leave there. But let's say he stays. Their their um, procedure has been, you know, stockpile young talent. Um, you know, work through the G League. Um, you know, get this young talent in-house, get them worked up, uh, develop them. That's how they've done with all their guys, Siakam. That's what they did with Van Fleet. That's what they did with OG Andanobi. That's what they did with Bruce Share. That's what they've done with all these guys. Um, uh, there are a couple other cats that they had. Um, so, I mean, it's not crazy to think that they're going to build up through young players. And that's exactly why, you know, if you're going to draft a guy like Suggs, a guy like Rubio would make sense, you know, because now you've got a guy like Rubio to help him out. Um, Van Vliet's on like a contract for at least three more years, making less than twenty million a year, so he's a decent deal right now. Um, Siakam's gonna go, but in the same sense, Siakam has more value once Lowry's gone because now he can be he can operate with the ball more and he can be more of the score, But um, I think he's gone, which is fine. He's gonna there's a market for him. Um, building over is probably what their plan is. Um, build up with young talent and then sell some of that young talent for a superstar. I mean, that's how mid level markets do it. You know, they build with a solid core of young players. And then you sell a couple of those guys and try to get a Kawhi Leonard and make a run. And then you break it down and you start over again. And this is just their start over again time.
2: This is a quick question for you, Chris, because you'll probably know more than I will. But like, I feel like the Thunder were kind of in that realm a few years ago and I feel like they have like, just a ton of draft picks coming up. They have to because,
1: like, they yeah, have they, do. they have like career. every draft pick. They have like half the draft picks in the next three drafts. So,
2: so do you think, like, looking compare comparing to Toronto to to uh, to OKC, OKC, do you think okay. that they, they could make the same kind of move if they were willing to sell some of their, I would say, a slightly above average pieces? I don't think any of them are stars. I really don't.
1: You're talking about Toronto selling stars? Yeah. I think Toronto will sell Siakam. I think they'll keep the rest. Um, OKC, the problem that they have is they've kind of got a reverse strategy, I feel like. So Toronto, I think, stockpiles young talent and builds them in-house. What I think OKC is trying to do is stockpile draft picks and then trade as many of those to try to move up. So like, it's like if I give you two or if I give you three late round first can I get a 12th pick you know or you know 225 26 and 27 range first round picks does that get me up to a 10th or a 7th pick you know that must be their plan because they've got all these okay draft picks like none that look like they're going to be top 10 really um or even or not top five for sure um and those players are usually just okay like that's not a great I mean that's a really big gamble at that part of the draft so I don't know what their plan is, to tell you the truth, but um, I'd rather be the Timberwolves than them, I'll tell you that. I'd rather have Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns in my hand than have 75 draft picks that are just maybes.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And uh, I think we'll we'll go away from uh, Toronto Raptors talk. Uh, But, yeah, uh, definitely better to be a Timberwolves fan right now. And and we'll talk about this later. Uh, I don't know. You guys, I, Chris, you said you were skimming through the Slam Magazine article with Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards. I, I heard a little bit about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, what I want to bring up, uh, some other kind of smaller guy. Like, obviously, we could go after Miles Turner. We could go after Ben Simmons. But right. smaller guys that we could potentially, and I know I did a small little video on this. Personally, I think that a, a good guy to maybe go after would be like a Larry Nance Jr., um, yeah, maybe man. maybe throw him in there. He's a little undersized um, for to be the all in all in all power forward. And honestly, and and I could be crazy on this, but I think I argued this in my video. Why not give Nas a chance to be the Twin Towers with um, with Karl Anthony Towns? I, I just I think we've seen enough out of Nas. I I think he he's an absolute bucket when you get him the ball down low. Like he yep. can absolutely get after it. What do you, what do you guys think of that? Um, kind of smaller guys, or just sticking with with the guy that that we already have. What, what would you guys think about uh, Nas starting this year at power forward and us just standing pat? What do you what do you what do you guys think? We'll start with you, Jared.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll jump in first here. So I love Larry Nance. I've loved a lot of his game um, throughout his career. Like I just love guys that. Are, that can play a decent amount of minutes and just produce like Larry Nance can shoot on the, on the perimeter a little bit. He does just a little bit of everything. I love, I love stat sheet stuffers is, is what I like to call them. Um, I think that Nance is a really good fit for this team, but I feel like Nance is a, if we miss out on the other guys type of move, he's, he's kind of like a reserve move. Yep. And, uh, and Nas, I think the the quick answer to Nas is his conditioning. Like I know, I know Chris is going to tell you how much he loves Nas Reed here in about thirty seconds when I'm done blabbing. But Nas, Nas is his big thing is conditioning. But his minutes have progressively moved upwards, which is really encouraging to see. I don't know if he can play thirty minutes a game, but I definitely think he can play twenty five.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Chris, go ahead. By the way, let's refer to him as Team USA, Nas Reid. by the way, because he is an official member of Team USA, even though he was just on the little uh, play and practice squad. That's Team USA, Nas Reed.
2: I missed you know, that. I did not I, I see that JaVale McGee got signed today. Nice.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> JaVale McGee and, uh, what's it, Keldrick Johnson or something from the L. Spurs? Johnson from the Spurs, yeah. yeah. He,
2: those were, well, I missed the Nas part, though.
1: Yeah, he, him and Anthony Edwards went down there as, like, the young talent to practice against the team in Vegas. Um, Nas tweaked his shoulder a little bit or something, and, and Edwards sprained his ankle a little bit. But just that they were dude. it's cool. Um, what I'll say is, Mike, I mean, Larry Nance isn't bad at all. I think he's a solid vet. Like you said, he does a little bit of everything. I, he was, like, almost leading the league in steals for a while this year. Um <laughs> good passer. I think he gets four or five assists a game. Like he's, he's a solid all around guy and he'd be a great vet to have on that front line. Um, and Nas, I think 100% deserves time. And and he's what's going to be interesting. Like if we go after um, Miles Turner, so we bring in another full on center type guy, I don't see how Nas even gets many minutes. Like Nas mm-hmm. will be stuck in the 10 minute range um, if we bring in Ben Simmons with Finch being able to, you know, make rosters work in weird ways, maybe we can play Ben, you know, he'll play some backup point guard, which would then give Nas some time to go twin towers. We could go really big. Um, so I think I think it's going to depend on which way we go with Nas, but I think he deserves 25 minutes a game every game. I agree. Um, and I just don't it's, – it's terrible because I think he has that talent, and we don't have a lot of talent as – bigs but it's like i just don't know how he how he gets that i just don't see the minutes if we go after one of those big guys um i would like to go after brandon clark um you know that's my go to he was um team did not play coach decision did not play all the way through the playoffs except for like 6 minutes and he played like the last 20 games before the playoffs so he was healthy it's not like he was hurt they just went another way. They've got a lot of bigs there, got a lot of power forwards they like, and he might just be the odd man out. Um, he's coming up on contracts soon. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what – I mean, it all comes down to how much you got to give. You know, if he's a pretty easy get, um, I would give that a shot. I, I would also look at – I mean, everyone's – there's been some talk, I think uh, Dane Morris talks a lot about um, Powell from Dallas, Um him being like a perfect, uh, kind of like, I don't know, just a poor man's roller, big, big athletic kid. Um, but I don't even know if he's open for like, to, it's nice to want a guy, but I don't know why Dallas would want to move him. He's on like a mm-hmm. pretty deep deal. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see which way we go. I mean, like we said, if we even just keep Nas, I'm okay with that, but yeah. I think, I think we'll add something. There's no way we're not going to add something. Um, six eight or above, you know, six nine or better on this roster. We I mean it's every time there's an interview, um, they acknowledge the fact that power forward's an issue, you know, and they're not hiding it as a front office, which is cool to see. So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make a move. And with all these guys kind of demanding trades this year, like with guys like Fox out in Sacramento being told like he's on a trade market basically. Um, Ben Simmons being said he's on the trade market, Um, Sexton, Colin Sexton saying he's on the trade market, like Obi Toppin's name being out there, like all these young, talented players supposedly on the trade market. Um, It's not surprising that there's going to be a lot of moves in the offseason and we'll get our dirty little grubby hands in there somewhere and pick up
0: Mm a big. Do you? What do you? I mean, like one name you threw out there, Obi Toppin. What do? You, what would you think of like an Obi Toppin move? Like I hate
1: Obi Toppin's game. Oh, okay. I hate everything about it. I think he's Derek Williams the second. You know, I saw very similar things pre-draft. A guy that's a huge athlete, um, but doesn't really score off more than one dribble. Like every time you see him scoring, it's like a catch and shoot, or like a one dribble power move, or something like that. And I don't think he's big enough, just like Derrick Williams wasn't, to succeed in that sort of overpowering way in the NBA. Like guys like Zion can do it because they're super freaks, but Obi Toppin isn't that. You know, he's – I think he was five po- – or maybe Anthony Edwards was five pounds heavier than Obi Toppin. It was really close in weight because um, Toppin's legs are super – he's just not I, – I don't – to answer your question, no. I would really dislike that move.
2: You know – I just – I want to backtrack here for, for two seconds. Just um, So Chris mentioned Brandon Clark, and and Brandon Clark is an interesting player to me because I feel like he's your prototypical power forward. You know, he can get you 12 and 6, block a few shots, get garbage man. Yeah. And, you know, an interesting thing to me, like not even for just the Wolves, but like the league as a whole, do you think the – I don't really want to call it an emergence, but like – the media loves Triple J or Jaron Jackson Jr. Like the media is like this dude is it, but he's always hurt, it seems like. Or maybe it was just one year. I'm not quite sure. No,
1: but. I think the last two. Two of his three at least. Yeah,
2: but the media loves him. So does does the media have a bias with a guy like Brandon Clark due to how much they love his, I guess, counterpart?
1: I would say. Um, In a way? The media 100% has a bias against boring, unflashy players. Um, And I think that's what we need. And that's why, I mean, Ben Simmons is kind of flashy, but he's really not. He's a guy that's just going to play D and rebound. That's what we need. We don't need a guy like, so here's JJJ's issue. He shoots like 40% from three, which is amazing. And he blocks shots, which is awesome. But literally, that's kind of all he does. I think he gets like five rebounds a game, or something astronomically low for like a athletic seven footer. Um, he's almost the exact opposite of what the Timberwolves want. Like, if you told me you could have either one of those players, I'd almost take Brandon Clark more because he knows his role. He's not going to be jacking up shots and messing, you know, taking shots from you know Beasley Edwards. You know, D'Lo, Carl Anthony Towns, like we don't need another guy trying to score 20 points a game, you know, kind of what's happening with Team USA right now, like they don't need another guy shooting, you know, trying to be the MVP of the Olympics, they need a guy to set screens and roll hard so they went and got JaVale McGee. You know, they don't need another guy trying to put up 25 a game to make a name for himself. So they got this guy from the Spurs who's going to play hard D, can defend multiple positions, and it's going to move the ball. You know, like that's what that's what we need on the Timberwolves is a guy who defends, moves the ball, isn't a liability shooter. Like we need a little bit better Vanderbilt. That's all we need. Like if Vanderbilt, even if he adds like a – if he could be like a 32% three-point shooter, just corner threes, corner jumpers, I mean, we might not need much more than that. You know, it's just maybe – like, Vanderbilt is athletic as he is. He really isn't a high flyer. Like, we throw lobs to him, but only – it's not like he's finishing high. Like, we need a little bit better than him is what we need. Um, Since
2: since you brought up Vanderbilt, um, I'm going to pull both of you guys in the room, but in my – in my in my head, I feel like we either need to move Vanderbilt or McDaniels because their their trade value recently has gone up a lot. And I'm not a big fan Vanderbilt's of Vanderbilt's a free agent. Okay. Okay. So he probably might not be back here then.
1: He's restricted. I mean, it, it comes down to our team's really going to offer a lot for him, you know?
0: I don't think like so. It, so, like so, I, I mean, I, it's, I, I just think the lack of offense for Vanderbilt will keep keep teams from offering a lot. So we might be able to get them cheap
1: or for almost nothing. So, yeah, I hear just, I mean, I think we can get them on a Nasri type deal right now, like one, two million, three million a year, 2 million maybe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, oh, we, we have a YouTube question. Uh, yeah. It's a good one too. Uh, where, let's see, where, where do we at? Oh, there so he says,
1: go. he says Russell played better towards the end of the year. But will we get Iso Russell, or will we, be, or will he be the team player that Finch got him to be? Um, I'll let you guys answer that, and I'll tell you what I think.
0: Go, go ahead, Jared.
1: Um,
2: I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Iso. I think there's too much talent on this team to be an Iso team. I think we're going to be a three-man play art, like I've talked recently about um, towards the end of the season when we had Cat D'Lo and uh, an Ant running, kind of that like. High, flash, dive, cut across the middle. Um, But I guess a lot would change for me if we added Simmons because, like, I, I know that's kind of the pipe dream right now as, as, as Wolves fans are. But, like, I think you're going to see a lot of, like, high-low stuff with, like, assuming we were to get him. This is a big assumption. But I feel like you're going to see a lot of high-low with the four and five and then you're gonna see uh the four be able to dish back to some of these guys that can just straight up launch threes and be killers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say I, I don't think we're gonna get um ISO um uh what was it? ISO uh Russell Westbrook. Russell. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Because honestly, watching him towards the end of the season, once he got this guy's back, I mean he was kind of ISO when the 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 when 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 it was kind of running dry and when they didn't have much around him, but looking at some of his stats from the past couple, I mean, in the month of let's see, the the last month they were playing, that would have been April, I believe. He had four or five games where he had ten total assists. I when I watch Delo, I I see him yes hitting some shots, yes trying to attack, but I, I also see him really distributing the ball a lot, and that's something that I really liked about D'Angelo Russell's game was that he he distributed the ball and tried to make other players better. And yeah, so yeah, I, I don't I don't think I don't think we're gonna see ISO D'Angelo Russell, particularly with all with all the players around him and with Carl Anthony Towns in the paint. I mean, cause you just give it to him, him or Nas, and I, I I don't I don't think there's any need for ISO Russell. What do you what do you think, Chris? I
1: think there's always need for ISO Russell. I think there's going to be times when Isil Russell is one of the most important players on the team. Um, and there's going to be times when he's going to be a facilitator. I think uh, in that slam article, for example, um, Edward said this summer, every once in a while, him, Russell, and, and Kat, every once in a while he'll get a text from them, and all it is is we're going to the playoffs. Like this is what we're doing. Like Russell seems like the kind of guy right now um, just by his attitude and the way that that he seems to be – Wired that he wants to win, um, and Cats that way too. I think they all are kind of understanding that Edwards is, you know, on their level, so they don't have to try to to take it all. Um, I see three-man game. I see you know a big setting a pick for Russell or Edwards, whoever has the ball, and then depending on how the defense reacts, you've got a third man to shoot, or you got Russell is it mid-range or driving or you got the kick to to the big. I think we're just going to do that on either side, um attack it either way. Uh I see Russell being a team player. Um like not even even more than Nets Russell. I'm talking even back to Ohio State Russell when it was like his passing that really was impressing people. Um but I mean that's obviously best case scenario, who knows, but he doesn't seem to be that cocky um take over the game guy. All the time, but there's times we're going to need that, you know. There's times Mm -hmm. that Edwards isn't going to be hitting his shots. There's times that they're going to be putting all the pressure on Cat, and we're going to need a guy who can get hot and drop forty. And that's what the NBA needs, and that's what you have to have. And to have two or three of those guys on a roster is awesome.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
1: we're going to need a little bit of all of it.
0: That that's something that that I was just about to bring up. With like, how cool is it that we finally have more than one option? Like the Kevin Love years. We had one option basically, maybe Peck, but other than that, <laughs> we basically had one option during most of Carl Anthony Towns. You could say Levine, you could say Wiggins, but not really. You don't really trust Wiggins as much, but yeah, it's just it's a cool time in Minnesota right now. Uh, so we have another face uh, a YouTube question from Trob. Uh, sh- uh, it's a kind of a league question Should the Pistons draft Cade Cunningham and trade Killian Hayes? Draft Cade keep Killian or draft uh, Draylon Green and keep Killian Hayes. Who, who wants to go first?
2: I'll go first. So I haven't looked at uh, Cade's um, full outgrade, but I think he's going to play probably shooting guard or small forward. I don't think he's a true point guard. He's kind of bigger. Um, the Pistons are a team that, that I don't absolutely love, and I know Chris will absolutely disagree with me because they're super young and they have some talent coming in. Uh, Killian Hayes, I don't think holds a whole lot of trade value just because he was banged up a little bit um, and he's kind of unproven at this at this point in time. Um, does he have some trade upside? I mean, sure, he was a he was a top he was a pretty high pick uh, the previous year, but uh, he played okay. I, I thought Killian Hayes played okay, but I mean, the short answer here is. You draft Cade Cunningham here and and just you live with it. Um, he, he's supposed to be the next generational superstar. You, you can't pass up on that uh, unless you trade back to like two or three, which is kind of what you're getting at with the Jalen Green take. Um, but but I would hang on to uh, I would I would hang on to Hayes. Um, unless it's needed to where, like, you think that Cade Cunningham is going to play the one. See, I, I personally have him playing, like, the two or the three. Um, so I think you can keep them both. Um, your young team can definitely rebuild, and and you guys, you know, three, four years from now might have have a shot to to be something, you know? It's similar to what the Timberwolves just went through. You know, like, we, we were horrible for a lot of years, you know? Like, it didn't, didn't just happen overnight to where we all of a sudden think we can make the playoffs. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I'll go next. I'll I'll go, I'll be very brief here, but if you're if you're the Pistons just to address the Cade Cunningham, you absolutely like you have to take Cade Cunningham. Like it doesn't matter what other pieces you have, you just have to do it. How are you gonna sell to the franchise that hasn't had a number one pick since 1970 when they took Bob Lanier, who turned out to be a Hall of Famer? But how are you gonna sell the? Like, yeah, how how are we gonna sell to them? Oh yeah, we're we're gonna try with Jalen Green. No, you absolutely have to take Cade Cunningham just because of, of his upside. But uh I'll let you, Chris, go ahead and address the uh the Killian Hayes part of the situation.
1: Side note, I think Bob Lanier came to my elementary or my elementary school when the All Star game was here. I think really? I'm almost positive he came. Yeah, and the big thing about him was he had like size twenty two feet or something, and that was like the cool thing about Bob Lanier. Um, That's just a side point. Uh, (laughs) Killian Hayes is good. Um, I like him. He's a lot like Malcolm Brogdon. He's got a lot of, they always said he had D'Lo Swagger, but that might just be the lefty in him. Um, He's kind of like a mid-paced guy. He's not fast. He, he's bigger. Um, I think, I think the first question about, you know, drafting Cade or not would be, um, I think him and Killian Kay- 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 Hayes would be almost perfect together because both of them can play a little on and a little off ball. I mean, you need as many ball handlers, as many play creators as you can get, um, especially on a young team. Sadiq Bey I like a lot, um, and he's got a, he's a good passer. He's a willing – at least he – you know, I can't say I watch a ton of Pistons. I watch maybe three or four of their games. Um, I know he's, he's obviously a shooter – good defender, but he, you know, he was a decent passer in college and he was a kind of secondary ball handler in college. So I hope he's doing some of that still with the Pistons. Um, I think adding as many ball movers, as many unselfish guys who also can get their shot is a great move. Um, I can't see him. I've watched a ton of Jalen green. I've watched some of them and he looks like an athlete. He looks like a scorer. Um, But I mean, I didn't watch full games to see what he does without the ball. Like, is he a good player Or is he just, like, a good, um, you know, 2K player? Like, does he have – you know, can he shoot threes and dunk so it's fun – and he's fast so it's fun to play with on 2K? Like, is he – does he know what he's doing? So I can't answer that question. But about trading, Cade, always listen is what I would say. Um, What are people offering? You know, like the Rockets, you know, maybe they're offering, you know, Tate, um, Kevin Porter and their – you know, like – I would listen to every offer. Um, I don't, I'm not in love with Cade to the point where I think he's the next LeBron James by any means. Um, I watched a couple of his games and I wasn't super impressed, but I, you know, I can't say I watched enough to really have a great read on him. Um, People I respect say that he's, you know, think he's way more impressive than I do. So I trust them. Um, But I would say you listen to offers and if someone blows you out of the water, you take it, you know, like, and I, And I think they're doing the right thing in in Detroit. I I like what they're doing. Um, I trust the moves that they've been making. So I would, you know, your GM seems to be solid. Um, But if I was in charge, I'd say take Cade. Play him with Killian Hayes. Play him with Sadiq May. um, Play him with that big bad boy that you got down low. What's his name? Um, uh, Isaiah Stewart, guy from Washington, played in that Washington system with McDaniels. He's a beast. Um, you got a nice young team that you could build around and kind of do like what the Hawks did where they've got 15 solid guys or 10 solid guys instead of having three superstars, you know. I mean, obviously Trey's a superstar, but, I mean, they're just one guy after another. Um, That's kind of what those mid-market teams, like I was talking about Toronto, have to do. Like you're not going to be the Nets. You're not going to get those three superstars, you know. So I'd say take your shot.
0: All right, looks like we have another question on uh, from YouTube and it's a little bit of a throwback question. What's your guys favorite Kevin Garnett moment with the Timberwolves? And I got to say, uh, I'll start with this one. Definitely when we beat the Kings and he was on top of the he, he was on top of the scores table waving the the Howl towel. That was definitely my favorite moment. But what about you guys?
1: So I'm a little older. Um then these guys, uh, I was actually at some of those games when we were in the playoffs, um, making the run um, up in the nosebleeds. I think the Carlson boys I went with um, my favorite KG moment. Um, so I remember when he was a rookie and, and um, Sam Mitchell was starting over him and my favorite moments was just watching him like flash you know, as, as a young player, as a first, second-year player. And I remember I hated Sam Mitchell. He's probably one of my most hated Timberwolves because they kept playing him over Kevin Garnett. And I was like, play this young kid. Like, he's got it. Like, he was like young Giannis um, where where he did a little bit of everything. Like, he'd flash on defense. He'd make a great pass. He'd make a big dunk. Um, so I just remember not at specific moments, but just like kind of the, the energy that he had, which is a lot like – what you're getting out of Anthony Edwards right now, where, um, you know, he has some off nights, but man, all of a sudden he'll flash and you're like, Oh yeah, I see that superstar. So just kind of seeing it early was cool. Um, The the one play I remember was a baseline play when it was off a rebound and he caught it really low and whipped it around and dunked it all in one. Like he jumped, caught the rebound like around his waist and whipped it around and dunked it. That was the one singular play that, kind of really sticks out the most to me.
0: Jared, go ahead.
1: So
2: Gabe kind of stole my answer, so I'm going to kind of freelance on this one because being being on top of the scores table, waving the towel, can't really be beat in my mind. Um, but KG was an absolute icon in Minnesota, and he was so much of an icon that I'm going to go a little off the reins here. Uh, do you guys remember the guy that painted Garnett on his shirt and he took it off and the the – The jumbo moved moved in on him, and that was like a big deal. And then he came for his return Mm
0: -hmm. in twenty.
2: It was like I don't know. I don't know how long the time frame was. Ten, probably ten years later. And his his son kind of they move in on him on the jumbotron. His son's kind of dad, dad, come on, you know. And like this is a big time frame here. Dad, dad, come on. He takes off his shirt, and he's got Garnett painted with the basketball. (laughs) That was one of my favorite moments as a guy who really loves like. Crowd noise and crowd support, and like just having something super outside of basketball be really important to people. It was something that was really cool to me and kind of gets underlooked because a lot of people really haven't seen it.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, it of course, that guy something he yeah. had a nickname that that old guy, um, because that second time he did it, he was like 45. Yeah, right? he, he, he was old, like, <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a grown man, um. Jiggly Belly Guy or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something? It was funny, though.
0: Was speaking something. of uh, – speaking – and uh, I'm sure, Chris, you remember this. Uh, Jared, uh, maybe. But do you guys remember the guy who would – newspaper guy? Mm-hmm. Who would, like, sit, sit yes. courtside and hit the newspaper on it? We got to get would, him back.
1: He would kneel and pound it. There's a long story about him. Like, you can – there's news – there's uh, internet articles about him and why he's not um, – why he's not there anymore, I forget what it was like a falling out or something, but yeah, I've, I know that guy.
0: Didn't he? Wasn't it that he uh didn't he just like not just got sick of the wolves being bad? Was I
1: think it, something it was something else? different, I think it was oh. something different, but I don't remember.
0: Oh, okay, okay, also, uh, well, well Jared is is gone for a second, uh, what. I think like remember when the wolves like or no like when Toronto was we were talking about Toronto earlier they were making that run to the championship and they had Drake courtside and everything. I yeah. feel like we need like like the Minnesota equivalent to that. Like who who could that be? Like well, it
1: used to be it used to be Jimmy Jam, but yeah, Lizzo would be huge. Um, I mean, I, if she keeps making albums that are big. Um, one cool thing. So speaking of fans and fans in the stands um, in that article that G that um, Anthony Edwards article they talked about how he was like the third youngest player to score 40 or something like that in a game. And in the article, he said, you know, on all those games where he had huge nights, it was because some fan talked some mess to him, like talked some crap to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, okay, well let's see how it is. And he just got his score going. So he, <laughs> he seems like somebody that really gets energized off fan support and um, a little bit of that trash talk. Uh, so that was just cool to hear that. He said most of those huge like outputs were because he was fired up from some fans saying something. So, just for a young kid like that to think next year, hopefully, knock on wood, Delta doesn't go crazy, and we have a full stadium full of fans, Um, a guy with that much hype energy already, like who knows, man. It's possible he's going to be a monster. Literally yeah. just off – like he's like a kid like with a sugar rush, you know. So like those fans, that energy gives him that sugar rush. He might be – that alone might spark him to a big second year.
0: I I think that Anthony Edwards and this is going to sound sacrilegious. Make it, be, being how much I loved Kevin Garnett growing up, Anthony Edwards has the potential to be my favorite Timberwolf of all time because he's just he's just sure. so much fun. He's just a kid, like you said, he's a kid in the candy store. Just like also, I I didn't read the article, but I heard some excerpts. He was saying that like for the first time in his life, he's starting to watch film and he actually like enjoys. Watching film, like, like I'm sure, like I'm sure that Coach Crean in uh at Georgia made him watch some film. But basically, watching film on his own accord, and like he he actually he's actually like watching film, and he's like, oh okay, so if they're gonna give me that shot, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna so go what record. he said, yeah,
1: what he said was over the All Star break, he went home to Atlanta and with his old coaches, um, they just started going over his film, which is something he'd never really done, and um he was like, Oh, okay. That jump shot. I I didn't get, I didn't use my legs there. And Oh, okay. On this three, this is what I'm doing wrong. I didn't, I didn't do this or that. And he just kind of went in the lab picking himself apart and he said he really enjoyed it. And then he's, you know, ever since all-star break, that's what he's kind of been doing. And that's what really made him step up. He said, there's three ways that he, or is it four? Um, three ways. He says, once I found out that there's three ways, um, it's really nothing you can't do. Cause I'm going to get there. He says like, he's got these three ways that he can score and um, he won't tell what they are. He told them, but <laughs> you know, the fact that he's watching film, I mean, he's just, he's 19. Like this guy, you know, has never had to do that. He's always been better. But um, in that article, they talked about how he, right after the season, he stayed here in Minneapolis. They thought um, slam thought they were going to be in Atlanta or in, um, LA or something like that. And they're like, no, he's staying in Minnesota and he just got an apartment and he's super excited about like having, you know, 19 year old kid. Think about this. You know, he's got a million dollar probably apartment up on like some, some building that has like a high view of the city. And he said, it's like magical. He's like, he feels like, you know, something like he made it, which he has. So it's just the way that that kid's energy comes out is so, infectious I think he's gonna I think the fans are gonna love him you know I think he's gonna take over the whole state and he Mm -hmm. will be that next athlete that like even football players or football fans or hockey fans will be like hey man I still like that guy and I'll ride with that guy Um, right so I think that's cool
0: right absolutely and kind of like what you were saying I have some like friends who I don't know are anti-NBA or like oh I'm only gonna watch hockey but even right. they are even they are like man anthony edwards like <laughs> he has. yeah go go yeah. ahead Jim. so
2: there was a, a recent article that i read this earlier this week that said if we had to redraft last year's draft that lamella would still go number one and i read that article thinking hell no i sure. completely disagree but i mean that's kind of like when we talk about like media bias and stuff, like okay, yeah, he won rookie of the year, and he was he was pretty damn good. Like don't yeah, yeah, yeah. But Anthony Edwards has like the ability to make like a huge superstar jump and in yeah. pretty quickly, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, okay, sure, sure, national media. I get it. That's your golden goose. You know, keep milking it. Congratulations. Keep saying that. Anthony Edwards probably loves hearing you say that. And while, like in the Slam article, they talk about Anthony Edwards is getting shots up. Like he's in the he's in the lab. He's working hard. He's he's in the gym at, right in the offseason. He said his goal is to have one of those second-year jumps that people are like, holy cow, that's a huge jump. You know, like big change. Like that's his goal. Um, and I don't know what LaMelo's doing. I, you know, I don't know if he's putting in work. I'm sure he is. But, you know, I saw him on the MTV Music Awards or something like that with Gold Fronts, um, you know, talking about like, hanging with rappers. He was be like, with some porn star as a girlfriend or whatever. Like, I mean, who's to say, like, young kid, do what you do. I'm all for it. You, you're a young, rich man. Do what you do. But, I mean, I'm happy with our pick. That's all I'm going to say. And especially for the Timberwolves. Like, that's so silly. You're telling me you want to add a ball-dominant, passing point guard when we already have D'Lo and Rubio on the roster like come on that's I mean that's just the media being the media like it doesn't make sense if if he was so much better than Anthony Edwards that it's a no-brainer then yeah maybe you know even if the positions don't make sense but he wasn't that like there's you could say maybe he was better I disagree but I mean you would have an argument um but come on for our roster it's it's just silly
0: also, I mean, what we what we got to remember is it's not like it went um, Edwards, then LaMelo. It went Edwards, Wiseman, and then LaMelo. Do don't you think that the Warriors that. are kicking themselves right now? Like, they have to be.
1: I mean, their their whole point of that draft pick was just to use it in a trade. I mean, they don't care who it is. Their plan from the start, from the d trade, was you get Minnesota's pick, you get our, our high pick, and you're going to trade – Um, Wiggins salary, which is match level salary, and you're going to take that super high number two pick, you're hoping it would be a more impactful player, so that had value. And then you're going to take that Timberwolves pick wherever you get that, it's like at what seven, and you're going to package that to get the best player possible. You know, they were hoping it was a LaMelo Ball type player, like type impact or Anthony Edwards type impact. Because if you put that the number seven pick, and salary at a match in Wiggins, who's still a 18 19 point score so he's still worthwhile you could get yourself a ben simmons type player Mm -hmm. if if wiseman played great but he didn't you know i mean i think i mean there's still teams that probably love him but you know that value is not great Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah i i totally agree and uh so so let let's kind of tilt the conversation a little bit have you guys been watching uh any USA basketball a little bit or I watched a little, I
1: watched some Olympic, like I, I watched some Nigeria versus Argentina to watch uh um, I really haven't watched too much USA basketball because I mean, I also don't want, I didn't watch an all-star game, you know, like I'm not, that's really not what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm.
0: So,
2: so I didn't watch, I haven't watched hard the end of it. I caught a little bit of the uh, Australia game on replay um, on YouTube and usa was up by like eight points in the third quarter in that game so it was almost kind of more like a blown lead as, as opposed to they just lost uh, so i thought that was kind of interesting also i've listened to some national radio um and greg papovich has kind of been jumping down reporters throats um post game and saying are you gonna let me finish my my statement here before you jump down my throat and so he's pissed off and and he should be you know like your team USA, you shouldn't lose to anybody. Whether it's an exhibition, I don't care who's on the team. Like you got bona fide, you got basically an all-star team, and, and you lose to some of these national teams. Who, I mean, the Olympic game is a little bit different. Um, I think the the three-point line is is shorter, shorter. I believe, yeah, and uh, so so they kind of like like to run and gun. Euro, it's almost like a little bit of like a Euro ball league uh, mm-hmm. in, in a way, and. uh, Dude, some of these guys just really play hard for their country. I know that Josh Okogie publicly said today, he's like, if I win, you know, any kind of medal, he said, you better believe Rubio, Prigioni, and all the other guys that that have played. Wancho. Over, yeah, Wancho, they're all going to hear about it. I saw that today. kind of made me laugh because I was like, hey, you know what? Assert yourself if you're going to be on this team, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, for Team USA, let's not lose to Nigeria again. Like, <laughs> Like, come on. Like, I know they shot like 20 for 24 from from the three-point line, but let, let's not do that again. Uh, Chris, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing we have to remember is these are scrimmages. You know, these guys just all came from their respective teams where they're all the guy that was eating the most. They're all the guy getting their shots. So mm-hmm. it's going to take a little bit of time for them to fall into their pecking order. Um, I don't think the team's constructed very well. Um I think it just got better when we got two role players. Uh One thing about Euro league or Euro ball or Olympic ball is you can goaltend everything. I'll tell you who loves that Javel McGee. Um That's the guy who likes to do some goaltending. So, I mean, there's going to be, you know, I think, I think we got better actually losing Beal and losing Kevin Love. I think we got better because just like the Timberwolves don't need a 25 point score to add to our roster. um Neither does Team USA. So, mm-hmm. Bill, you know, I would have rather added like a Malcolm Brogdon or somebody like that, or Trey Young, for God's sakes, um, just as a just as a play creator. But um, Nigeria, they've been playing together for a long time. You know, Australia, those guys play together for a long time. Um, and maybe not all of them. Maybe some of the Olympic guys go in and fit in their roles. But a lot of those other guys, maybe four, five, six of those guys, might play together a lot. Um, and have history playing together. Spain has history. Rubio's killing it right now. Like, Rubio's getting, like, 25-5 and five and beating, like, top teams. Like, um, these guys, you know, they, they play together. So, I mean, it's going to take a while for us to figure it out. I mean, it still wouldn't blow my mind if we run through the Olympics and Durant goes for 35 a game and we win the whole thing, you know. But we're going to have to figure out whose players' roles are. Um, but I'll tell you what – if Spain wins the gold or silver, even gold or silver. That's it. And because Rubio, like, what, last year, two years ago, was a, FI- a FIBA MVP from the FIBA Nash tournament when they won it. If if they win the gold, Ricky Rubio is a Hall of Famer. That's a fact.
0: There you go. Um, uh, Jared, go ahead. You, you know,
2: like, there's a lot of people that want to, like, kind of throw salt at the Javel McGee adding. And you know, all I could sit there like I've looked at this roster, you know, kind of periodically throughout the week. A- after they lost their second game, I'm like who's who's even on this roster? Because I haven't watched a ton of it. But I'm like, dude, we have one center, you know, yep. like that's that's our biggest issue. We have Bam out of Bayou and a bunch of guards is what we basically have. You bunch know? of two
1: guards and three guards. We don't have a point guard.
2: Yeah, like, you, know, you, it's, could... it's, you know the roster construction's just goofy to me, Terrible. but um so, you know, I always kind of laugh when I like look at something like that. And, and like after we lost the Australia or we lost to Australia, I'm like, who's on this team, anyways? So I looked it up a little bit and there was like, you know, Sabonis and and some, some pretty solid players. And then, and as I'm watching the highlight film, they're like, so yeah. they're like, yeah, Ingalls is on that team. They're like, oh, yeah. And Angles. they beat him without Ben Simmons. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, right. like this team could be a lot better, even. And, and they could have crushed us.
1: Yeah. Mills, they have Mills. Patty Mills went off in that game. Um, He's averaging
2: like 20 plus points a game in in this international.
1: He knows how to play play international ball. I mean, that's the thing. Like it's a little bit different game. Um, And some of these teams know how to, how to navigate that game, you know, and we don't, we're playing NBA game. We're playing AAU chucking from three, like set a pick while I jack up this 35.3 point, you know, 35 foot three pointer, like, We'll figure it out, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. And what we got to remember is maybe one point guard, Drew Holiday, also um Chris Middleton and Devin Booker all are all on the way. So Yeah, I don't mean, know, but that will again happen. now
1: you got Devin Booker who's I mean, he can move the ball. He's a he's a passer, but you're kind of getting more of the same. Like I didn't hear the name of a big defensive center there, and I didn't hear the name of just a distributing point guard. Like we've got we've got Dame Lillard, but I, I think of him as, like, a scorer. Like, he's yep. a scorer. Like, we, um, we need, we need, we need might, like Ricky Rubio. You
2: this know? might sound crazy to you guys, but the biggest out of the three names you just listed is Drew Holiday because he plays defense and he doesn't shoot
0: 20 times a game. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Ahead, and true. speaking of Drew Holiday and the Milwaukee Bucks, I would say we got a pretty good NBA fight. I guess I, I should go into this. Right now, I was in Milwaukee for game three, wasn't at the game, but I was outside of the game in the what do they call it, the deer den or the I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we know than us. <laughs> I, I will I will say it was a heck of an experience. Um, they, uh, they they love their bucks down there and I, I was just thinking about it. Man, do I want this experience for Minnesota so bad! Like I just, I, I want to experience not only NBA Finals, but they're out there for the playoffs as well. Uh, every game, so it's just, it's, it, it was a ton of fun. But uh, these NBA Finals tied two to two right now, and I guess I got to go uh, to Chris on this one. After watching it, watching the NBA Finals and Giannis, do you still hate watching Giannis, or is it I don't got watch him better? Oh, either. I don't
1: watch him. I won't watch him. Okay. <laughs> like I haven't watched any of the finals. Uh, I, okay. I can't, I can't, I don't enjoy watching him play to the point where I've got better things to do with my time, you know, than what I mean, I, I'm not going to see anything in the finals that surprised. I've watched him enough. I've He's a great player. He's amazing. Um, I just don't mm-hmm. like his style of basketball. Um, I think they're better as a team when Giannis plays completely off ball and he's just the world's greatest garbage man. He's a lob guy. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a hard cutter where you, where Drew Holiday's the ball player, the ball creator, or, or Middleton's a play creator. And you hit him you know, as a, as a, a role guy, like to have a player that could give you 20 and 15 and two steals and five blocks without being the guy with the ball is so valuable because now Middleton can get you 20 and now Holiday can get you 20. But when you have Giannis being the guy trying to get you 45 points and doing that stupid, like, I'm going to step back three feet, four or five feet, and just start sprinting at the basket every time and runs Like, I can't watch that. So I wish I could answer that question, but I haven't watched any of them. The only games I watch is when he was hurt.
0: Okay. Well, th- there you go. Uh, Jared, uh, I want to ask you this question. Do you think that there is a problem with NBA refing, considering the whole Devin Booker thing, considering the that Devin Booker probably had eight fouls in the last game, and, and they decide to swallow the whistle just to keep him in the game? Do you think that was an issue, or do you think this is an isolated incident?
2: Um, I think it was an issue at the time, um, mainly because there was, he had about seven fouls. Um, I don't know if I can go up to eight, but I I haven't seen the entire film. You know, a lot of times I'm working when these games are going on, but I catch them when I'm at work uh, final few minutes anyways, if I can. Um, But I do think there's a lot of star protection in this league, like especially on the big stage, like, like, look at, like, I don't know if you guys watched the MLB weekend at all. You know, I'm not a big MLB guy, but I watched the home run derby. I watched zero of the All Star game, but like the whole entire weekend was centered around Otani. Like, the media just wanted to push as many Japan viewers as they possibly could. That guy's amazing, networking.
1: too, though. That guy is amazing. He's
2: incredible. But like, incredible. the media. The media just put so much into him and then he lost in the first round of the home run derby. He pitched one inning, I think, of the of the All-Star game. He got the win, whatever, you know. Like he's a phenomenal talent. And an interesting fact about him is he hasn't taken batting practice all year, which I thought was amazing considering he leads the league in home runs. But
1: and he eats the same thing every day or something like that.
2: Yeah, you know, he's just he's just that guy, you know. And then like like reverting back to like Giannis, I know you asked Chris about this, but like To me, Giannis is the most boring superstar. And I know Chris has said this as well, and I kind of agree with him on it. And and it, it basically breaks down to this like, he doesn't do anything well. Like, he doesn't shoot all that well. He doesn't shoot from the free throw line well. He doesn't shoot from three all that well. He's just the most athletic guy on the floor by a wide mile. Like, he is just super athletic, long, and that's great for the NBA. It's really good for the NBA. But, like, as an exciting star, I mean, it kind of bores me because he's just that much more athletic than everybody else.
0: Mm-hmm. Chris, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's learned. That, so you asked about the refereeing, and I'll, I'll get to that's That's my main point. And I think the NBA is going in the right way with that, where they said, you know, no more of this Trey Young butt, butt jump to get a foul, no more of this. Chris Paul jump into the guy to get a foul. Um, I think the next step is no more of this James Harden on the dry, on the drive jump into my guy to get a foul when I had no intention to shoot the ball. Same as Giannis, um, they're the same player to me. A guy that drives with not really an intention to get. I mean, sometimes he's trying to get to the the the, the, the cup, but he's trying to get a foul called. You know, like that's not basketball to me. Like it's just putting the onus on the referee to call a charge or not. And he's a superstar. So you don't call a charge. Um, there's a lot of times when he's using his forearm just to push the guy back and you don't have to be in a position. If the guy's pushing on you back, that's a foul, you know, but they won't call it cause he's a superstar. So no, I'm not worried about Devin Booker. I, again, I didn't watch the game. So it's probably bad, but that's the NBA stars get away with stuff. Um, it's just not, yeah. I, I would say that the referees, the fact they took that step to to try to take out that little jump shot thing, I think is a move in the right direction. And it's just an illustration that it's something that they're looking into, and and I like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's important.
0: Yeah, just just a couple thoughts on on the NBA Finals. First of all, if you're Devin Booker and and Drew Holiday is going for a layup and you have five fouls. You cannot take that foul. Like I, I know it turned out to be basically, ba- basically, um, it, it didn't really matter too much. But you, you cannot take that foul if you're Devin Booker. Even risk it, you got to let Drew Holiday just especially, absolutely take that. Especially layoff.
2: with the game that Chris
0: Paul's been having, like Chris Paul's been getting. Yeah, there's something wrong. Drew Holiday, Drew,
2: they put Drew Holiday on him one hundred percent. That's just wrong. Yep.
1: That's and what's wrong with that. is in
2: his ear eating his lunch defensively yep.
1: mm-hmm. they're not letting him they're not letting him create um yeah I mean you also have to remember how old's devin Booker you know and you you know, and this is his first time in the playoffs and this is the first time in the finals and everyone's questioning him like is he a true superstar is he not so I mean he's trying hard to make a name for himself to make a you know to build his brand. Um, he probably would say the same thing. I bet you if you asked him, hey, Devin Booker, uh, do you think you should try to block that uh, layup? I mean, he'd say he probably would do the same thing again, but I think deep down he knows he wouldn't. He knows it wasn't the smart play. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's this isn't his fifth playoff run, you know. Like, he's a young kid, you know. He's figuring right. it out.
0: Yep. And uh, what, one thing we do got to mention from the finals is, I mean – that block, I, I know you hate Ansa De Kempo, but that no. block by Ansa De Kempo, that was LeBron game seven style kind of a block. Well, that I was mean, it was close. That was
1: that was LeBron's block, but game seven and game four are two right. really big differences. But um I don't hate Giannis. I don't hate him at all. I think I love him. He was one of my favorite players when they drafted him. I texted my buddy, you're gonna love this guy. Um I hate his style of play. I think he's a great player. I think he's an amazing player, I, and not even his style of play. I hate the style of play that they're having him play. I mean, Coach Bud was a ball movement guy in Atlanta. He's the guy. He was the coach when Teague was an all-star, when Corver, I believe, was an all-star, when Hortford was an all-star. Like because everyone is eating, they're moving the ball great. He's a Popovich disciple. Um, I wish they had that play style, but that's also me. Like I don't like. ISO basketball. I hate that place. I don't like. It's aesthetically ugly to me, so I choose mm-hmm. not to watch it. Like, there's enough stuff going on in the world where I'll watch something else than something right. I don't enjoy. So, no, that was an amazing block. The guys. It's almost like you could call the guy a freak.
0: Yeah, that's true. uh Jared, go ahead. Yeah. So I shared a video from
2: uh, I believe it was Bleacher Report in the. uh the uh, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves True Fans, that's the Facebook group that we all met each other on. Uh, if you're interested in joining that, just come on in and talk Wolves with us. But um, I shared a video on there from Bleacher Report that uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they were make, the media was making a big thing about, oh, Giannis, last two games, you've checked out real early in the first quarter. What's up with that? And he goes, He goes, I don't know how to say this. I think this is polite. I had to take a tinkle. He said it, like, three times, and it was hilarious, you know. Like, I I listened to that, like, multiple times. I'm like, God, that's so funny, you know, like, because people, like, you know, you look at – you're on this big stage, and this dude's like, yeah, man, I got to take a piss, you know. Like, I'll be right back, you know. And it was really kind of funny to me because, like, you know, being from, like, a different culture and stuff, he was, like, so nervous to say it, and it just really kind of made Uh me laugh. Um, But, yeah, you know, I think these next two (laughs) – these next few games coming up, you know, prior prior to this series, I said uh, Bucks in six, and then I said Bucks in five if Giannis played. So obviously that can't happen. Um, but I think the Bucks are a far better team. Like looking back at game one and two, game one uh, Phoenix was twenty five for twenty six from the free throw line. You're not going to lose too many games when you do that. Uh, game two uh, Phoenix was shot fifty percent from three. You're not going to lose a whole lot of games when you do that. Um, but I think. Like front to back, I think the Bucks are a better team. Uh, and unless Chris Paul like comes out and drops like 20 and 15, I think the Suns are going to struggle. I just don't think there's enough scoring on that team to match the Bucks, who I think will dominate um, the rebound category. Uh, I think to a way they should dominate uh, the three-point shooting category. Percentages, although I haven't looked at it front to back from the entire series. I just know that uh, Phoenix shot out of their minds uh, one game, and that was kind of like my big reasoning to why they had lost that game or the Bucs had lost that game. Mm
0: -hmm. Chris,
1: go ahead. They always say home teams, bench players, home teams like uh, secondary, third kind of tier guys um, step up when they're at home, and when they're on the road, they don't. And that's, you know. You got that Mikhail Bridges who I'll tell you one thing, bring it back Wolves direction. I hope there's a GM in the NBA right now that sees Mikhail Bridges. So I liked I also was a Sixers fan for a while. And I really wanted them to draft Mikhail Bridges and keep him because I thought he was the kind of guy to add to that roster as a three and D guy. You didn't again, you don't need to go for a superstar. You just want a solid guy. Um, what he's And he was terrible. I, I hated him on the Suns for the first couple of years, and then he's looking really good now, and he's he's developing. Um, I think that I hope there's a GM out there that sees Jared Culver and him, or some of him and Jared Culver, um, a guy that supposedly has the length, the defensibility, and a shooting stroke that they can develop into be that type of player. Um, and I hope we can move Jared Culver because of that. But – you know, Mikel Bridges has to step up. Um, Aiden has to stay out of foul trouble because they have no other bigs on that roster. The roster—they should have never traded Rashard Holmes. That dude's a monster. Um, if he was on the roster, I think it would be a whole different series. Um, you know, they need the bench guys to, to play well, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I hope it goes seven just for the fun of it.
0: And Go I will ahead, watch. Man.
1: I will watch elimination games as much as I hate watching the way that the Bucks play.
0: I, I will say it has been a fun series. Like, the the side, like, it, it's been really fun to watch. And, yes, I'm biased because, I mean, I was there. I was in the crowd or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I've really uh, more than and, – and I love where as much as I'm a LeBron guy, it's almost like we're in a new era. It's two small market teams where we're, we don't have the LeBron or the KD – or or you, you you name it or the curries, which I mean I love watching those guys play, but we get a whole new set of players here that that can be on display. Um, uh, go go ahead, Jared. What do you got? Yeah. So uh, um, Chris was talking about uh,
2: bench players, and and one bench player on the Bucks that has played phenomenal when at home and hasn't as much on the road. I don't believe I haven't really looked at. I haven't. Back game one and two in a while. Um, but Pat Connington has played extremely well uh, these past couple of games. I, I think he flirted with a double double off the bench recently. Uh, just been playing really good basketball off the bench for them. So so that take is he this like
1: guy.
2: 65%. Yeah, he, that, that takes pretty much right on, you know. And then, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Mikhail Bridges because I haven't caught a whole lot of Suns games unless they're on national television. And one player that I absolutely love I, is—I assume it's his brother—is—is is, uh, the guy in Charlotte is, uh i don't even know his first name—Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is uh, uh, uh-uh. what's his no first relation, name? no relation. Okay, so I was assuming there's, they're brothers. There's,
1: there's no relation.
2: Okay, well that dude plays every time I watch the Charlotte Hornets play, and they're down. Whatever in their full press and that dude plays so hard. Like, if you're a GM watching the NBA, like, how can you not enjoy a guy playing the four that's full full court pressing in the NBA, which is unheard of for the most part? But um, I I was there was talk
1: there was talk about him being an option for a Timberwolves trade. I heard like I heard it floated around, not just from like some fan site, but somebody. Kind of making it sound like Bridges might be on the market, which is weird because him and Ball had such a connection. But maybe he's and up for contract working. soon or something.
0: Mm-hmm. And oh, um, uh, go ahead. One, one thing I was going to
1: say, you said uh, small market teams. Fun fact: Phoenix is the number five largest team or largest city in the United States. I saw that just the other day. Number five in the entire United States. Hmm. Blew my mind.
0: Yeah, I, I, I had no just idea. A, I mean, just a little geography. Well, well, oh, I got I to gotta
2: stop you right there. What's their population? Because I, I, I got to know. Because when I was in Vegas, I was right. blown away that they had 920,000 some people living in that town, which blew me away.
1: So New York City is eight, a little over eight and a half million. Um, Los Angeles is four million. Chicago is two and a half. Houston is 2.4, and Phoenix is 1.7 million.
0: Wow. Hmm.
1: Something you learn every day, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's good to know. For all, all you geography uh, nerds out there, I'm, I'm sure. one of them. <laughs> we, should,
1: we should start a geography podcast.
0: <laughs> I'd love that. I mean, I feel like there's a void in the industry. I, I, feel, I feel like there's a void. Like I feel like every subject needs a podcast, so. Absolutely. Uh, like, yeah. All right. So I think there's just one more team to tackle, one more thing to tackle. Uh Jared, how was Space Jam?
1: Yes. Uh yes.
0: Space.
2: I, I call it Space Jam too because I was a guy that watched the original one um probably 250 times. I've probably watched it a hundred times in the past two months. I got it on
0: DVD. My so, kids uh...
2: love it. Yeah, I, I had to buy it on DVD for Easter for my kids. Um, and it was, and they loved it, you know, like it was absolutely like, it was an obsession for them, you know, basketball and the Looney Tunes mixing it all together. The second movie, or, I mean, you could call it a new legacy or whatever you want to call it, but for me, it's Space Jam 2. Um, I went into it, you know, pretty optimistic just because it was a movie that I absolutely loved growing up. And like, I wanted to really enjoy it, but I kind of like had like a little bit of like, Oh, it'll never compare to the first one. And I still can't compare them because they're very different in, in their own way. Um, but space jam two was extremely good. Like the amount of like characters that are in it from all of the, the Warner brothers platforms was phenomenal. Like you had, you had the iron giant, you had Superman, Batman, Robin, like you just had all like, you got to you just, you have to sit it. You have to see it. You have to sit down and watch it. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Um, but the animation in it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it won like a best picture because it was, it was really that good. Um, It was a little long, so it was two hours long. Mm -hmm. Um, It was two hours long. It started slow, much like the first one, you know, like in the first one where they're golfing and, you know, this and that. And then some, and he doesn't meet Bugs Bunny until like 45 minutes into the movie. Like that can be slow for like your children. Um, I took my children to the movie tonight and they were like blown away by it because like it was super relatable and yeah, you know, like it was super relatable to the first one, but it was different in its own way and it had a really like unique feel to it. And like, there's people that like, I've read on the internet, even before I saw it all these day's day, there's so many mixed reviews. Some people said they loved it. Some people said they hated it. And I feel like a lot of that had to do with like LeBron James being the main actor. But one of the greatest things about this entire movie was it was hilarious. Like, I never yeah. expected to go see Space Jam 2 and think that it was funny. You know, like, there was a lot of really funny parts in it. Um, so I, if you get the chance, you know, like, if you have HBO Max or you want to – I went and saw it in theaters, uh, which is kind of out of the norm because I know a lot of people are watching on HBO Max. But, like, make a family day. Go and see it. Um, if, your kid, if your kids have seen the first one, if you've seen the first one, I really think you'll like it. Uh, I was really, really kind of surprised with how much I liked it because I
0: kind of went into it optimistic, and I came out a little bit blown away by it. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I might go see it tomorrow. So, by the way, uh, I do. I, I want to leave everybody uh, with this. To anyone who says that D. Low can't play defense, take a look at this. Bam. Is <laughs> that Jimmy Butler?
1: Was that Jimmy Butler?
0: <laughs> I think so. One, one more time for the people in the back. There you go. Ooh,
1: get that out of here. <laughs> By the way, one thing, about, one thing about those players' camps that's awesome. Um, I saw Jared Vanderbilt's having a camp down in Texas, I believe. And he said, and, you know, surprise guest, Anthony Edwards is going to come down for one of the days. So just the way that Anthony Edwards is, you know, staying in the city – being around the team, supporting like you're not, you know, Jared Vanderbilt isn't a huge draw, you know, for, for, you know, selling at a camp, but now you add Anthony Edwards, I'm sure that camp sold out, which is cool for Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. to help him out like that. Like just a good guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Kat was at, uh, Kat was at Delo's camp and yeah, Yeah. it's, it's cool. Like that, that, that players go, I remember I went to, uh, 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 Mad Dogs camp a couple years, uh, huh? and, and we got a couple players. Like, I remember we had a pair of uh Yao Ming shoes that one of the campers got, and yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. It was a good time.
1: Yeah, uh, man. what could have been yeah. if he stayed healthy, he was
0: a beast. Yeah. Or, or Ming Yao, you got to say it right, you got to say it the Chinese way. Well, Ming Yao. You know, uh, you know what
2: James Harden would say if he was here with us tonight, he'd say. Things are brewing in
0: Minnesota, baby. We're, we're, getting, there. Right. we're getting there. We're getting there one step at a time. We're cooking. Absolutely. And uh, so I, I think we're going to put a pin in it there. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for being with us tonight.
1: No problem. Remember, Ricky Rubio, Hall of Fame. You're going to see it.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, Jared,
2: thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. As Mr. Uh, Mister Ben Simmons' trade talk for the past Three and a half months, Uh, I'm ready to see the pieces fall and see where he goes. Hope it's here.
0: Absolutely. We shall see. And if anything happens, we'll be sure to hop on and talk about it. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe, and tell your friends. And you can also listen on Spotify to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves uh, podcast. And as always, go Wolves. That's
2: right.